Paper Cut Podcast strives to be evocative and inclusive. Every Monday, we cut below the surface with folks that make the Winnipeg arts and culture scene thrive. Welcome to Paper Cut Podcast. My name is Sherry Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we are here with Alyssa Blackwolf-Kixon. So please tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, um, I am a 35-year-old uh, Indigenous Two-Spirit mom. I am a Capricorn. I like to eat ice cream and watch YouTube videos with my kids. And I'm a comedian. A stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedian. And when did you start doing stand-up? Oh, heck. Um, probably when I was about 16 years old. So a long time. A long time. And how was your first show as a 16-year-old stand-up comedian? Oh, God, it was awful. <laughs> it was... It was... Like, in, retrospectively, when I look back on it, it was terrible. But, like, at the time, I was like, oh, man, I totally killed it. I'm so good. <laughs> Did you invite your friends? Like, was it yeah. all? Yeah. And where was it? Um, I think it was at a coffee shop. So it was, like, one of those all-ages, like, you know, coffee shop open mic type of um, shows and I was like I'm going to try stand up and then I did and it was terrible. <laughs> Do you remember you? any jokes? Like anything? Yeah. Uh, you know I, I don't remember any of the like specific jokes. I just remember I made fun of my mom in a context that nobody else would understand <laughs> except for like me and my close friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was pretty sad. <laughs> like when I look at you know sort of like the stuff I do now compared to when I was younger and just like more rebellious. Like I just thought I was so edgy at the time, and then I really wasn't. You were just sixteen. <laughs> I was just sixteen. Like I didn't know shit. <laughs> oh, can we swear? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. We're we're a swearing podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. We don't do math and we do swear. Yeah. Okay. So okay. if that makes you more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm trying to be cool and hip. <laughs> yeah. So was it that first time that sparked your love, or did you have to go through like a couple of shows before you realized this is something you want to do? Um. Well, I started off doing improv. Um, and theater at like 12. Oh. Um, so I really liked, I really liked the aspect of performance, but I was terrible at memorization. So I went from theater to improv because I was really good at making stuff up, but scripted stuff was just like not my forte. Um, and then I made the transition from improv to stand up and I, dabbled in both for years and then um <clears throat> just realized that there was you did need to write when you're a stand-up comedian like you can't just make stuff up on the spot because it's not going to hit you have to know your audience you have to um read the room there's just like so much more that goes into stand-up um, whereas with improv, people are expecting like things to be in the moment and things to be made up. Whereas with stand-up, they just come to laugh. And there's a certain amount of um, having to 
having to read an audience and read a room, which comes in handy being a mom, because moms can always tell. (laughs) Yeah. Like, are these guys going to be assholes? Like, you know, are they going to expect, like, dick jokes? Or is this, like, uh, you know, more, um, I don't know, woke audience? Okay. Yeah. Does the audience play into your set? Like, will you change it if you're reading a different vibe from them? Um, yeah. Yeah, like, I like I have enough material that I can cater to different types of audiences. Um, and I find that really the one that I have to um, be more careful about is sort of like the when it's like a predominantly male audience, like college, university age, um, that's the one where I'm like, okay, I really have to, um, I really have to watch what I say because um, this audience isn't going to play into um, me being a queer indigenous person as much as, you know, my regular audience as well. Do you want to, are you able to expand on that a little bit more? Sure. By playing, like, <clears throat> what you mean by play into? Um, I mean, when you're, the type of stand-up comedy that I do, like, a lot of it is um, very storytelling based. So I I um, delve into my life and I'll, <clears throat> I'll bring certain aspects of my life onto the stage And so a lot of my jokes are, you know, what it's like to be a queer indigenous mom living in Winnipeg. But when you're doing a crowd like, say, you're in Thunder Bay, where it's like very racist there, then I'm not going to talk about those things. Then I'm going to, I don't know, like talk about like smoking weed or drinking beer, like those types of experiences um because if i talk about if i talk about being queer and indigenous to like a very what could potentially be a racist homophobic crowd then they're not going to have a good time and i'm not going to have a good time so i have like material where i can actually like cater to the audience do you ever turn down a show in sort of okay this might be a racist homophobic audience I am not going to do this show like I am not going to perform for these people Mm -hmm. that won't accept me or the jokes that I have um I I used to but now I don't now I'm just like if I'm gonna perform for them um, I better be getting paid mm-hmm. yeah. to do yeah. this because <laughs> now this is actually work. Whereas for the most part, I just, I really enjoy doing it. Um, but if I know that it's going to be in a place and with people that I don't enjoy, then I'm just like, you better be paying me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's like most jobs, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this, so please pay me for it. Yeah. Um, can you touch on your work with in- improv a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Um, were you with a troupe, or is it was it solo? Um, improv started off. Um, I did it in theater school, so like Manitoba Theater for Young People, 
And then um, when I was in high school, there was an improv team that was formed for the Canadian Improv Games. Oh, cool. Um, so I was on the Kelvin improv team when I was in high school. And then um, once we graduated, so our last year of being on the improv team, we actually won the provincials and then went to Ottawa and then just like totally shit the bed. <laughs> like we did not do well. Um, but then uh, when we graduated, a couple of us formed a troupe and we performed at different um, different shows, different venues. And then I went to Second City at 19 and um, that was basically sort of like the birth of my solo career. And then um, I started doing stand-up in Los Angeles and sort of like learned like learned through osmosis like how to you know like oh that's what you're supposed to do okay got it got it good good note and then that's when i started doing sort of like more storytelling stand up so who are the do you remember the comedians like your sort of heroes through this process what comedians also did storytelling which like inspired yours or did nobody particularly inspire your storytelling Um, Excuse me. Um, I would say that watching stand-up, um, sort of the biggest influence would probably be Margaret Cho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she does a lot of, like, storytelling and um, <clears throat> uses a lot of, like, character work in her stand-up. And just sort of, like, what she was doing... At the time, I was just like, whoa, you can do that? Like, that's amazing. And I found, like, so many correlations between her experience as as a Korean-American versus my experience as an Indigenous person, like, um, trying to make it in this really weird, dysfunctional industry. Mm -hmm. Because it is, like, so dysfunctional. So kind of moving forward from that you've started did you start woke comedy night yes um so um myself and dion haynes we um we started woke comedy hour and we started that because we we were doing we were going to different stand-up venues together and just sort of noticing a lack of representation. Um, there were lots of, like, lots more women in stand-up now versus, you know, when I was 19 years old. But it was still, like, very melanin deficient. Um, so what we what we did was we got together and we were like you know this is like Winnipeg is a pretty diverse place why why don't we start up our own open mic night make it for people of color for indigenous folks marginalized folks and um see what happens so we did and then um we just had so many people coming out to these nights 
you know, there there was a need for people to come watch, but there was also a need for a space where people could feel safe and people could feel welcome, um, as opposed to what was already being offered in the city. So can you just tell us, like, what exactly it is you're, like, a one-liner for what is Woke Comedy Hour? Um, Woke Comedy Hour is an open mic for people of color and for indigenous folks. And that's it. And that's it. That's <laughs> it. There's no, um, there's no sort of um, expectation that you be a professional comedian. We welcome first timers. We, you know, we welcome pros. Um, yeah, there's really no expectation except um, just not to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so can uh, non-people of color, they can attend the show. They cannot perform. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we welcome everyone to come watch the show. Like, doesn't matter who you are. Um, but in terms of stage time, we do have a strict policy of, it. you know, it has to be, you have to be a person of color, you have to be in, or indigenous or, you know, just like a marginalized um, person of color that wouldn't otherwise, you know, maybe feel welcome on any other stage. So do you think that Woke Comedy Hour is a learning experience or do you think on a, on a second level? So that was the first top level of what mm-hmm. is a night. But what do you, the audience, the performers gain from something like this? I think we gain um, perspective. I think we gain so much perspective because what we've had so far is we've had people um, tell their stories, essentially. And the stories that we've heard are stories that need to be told. And, um, And you don't hear them at any other regular open mic. Um, we've had stories of people being um, refugees, fleeing war. We've had stories of, you know, complete racism, sexism, homophobia. We've had stories um, just, you know, about language, language barriers and, you know, just how frustrating that can be. But then for the people who come to the shows who are able to watch these things and say like, oh my God, that totally happened to me. Um, it, it makes the show more relatable. And, and I think that's where the success comes in is that um, if I was to go to an open mic where it's like mostly white men, you know, talking about their experience I feel like most of the time I like have a hard time relating and a hard time laughing um whereas with with these open mics and with these comedians I'm just like oh my god yes I've been there I've been down that road many a times let's laugh about it have you ever um seen or noticed or talked to a white person who has gone to the show and said like I I didn't relate to this and have sort of the same experience that you had like do you understand what I mean mm-hmm. yeah 
Um, I actually, I haven't. Um... Because I feel like, good. <laughs> like, yeah. That's yeah, great to good. hear. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to hear that you had no idea what we were talking about. Yeah, no. Um, it is, yeah, we haven't had somebody say something like that. So it's mostly just like an accepting and... Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well received. Yeah. Great. Because I think, um, like, my husband is, is very white. And um, he's come to a lot of the shows and he's been like... You know, I know this isn't for me, but like this is like this is great. Like this is, you know, I I can't relate, but I can sit here and support and, you know, laugh and support. And um yeah, I I'm wait I am waiting for the day though when somebody comes up and is like, "Excuse me." <laughs> Do you find a, lo- a lot of your audience to be split? Do you have a lot of white people, a lot of people of color? Um, at our woke shows, we have mostly people of color. Um, and then there'll be like a sprinkling of, of white people. (laughs) Um, and for like, and there's been a few comedians, like white comedians who come out and like support the show. Um, but it's mostly like people from our, you know, from our communities. So from, you know, like black space or BIPOC, um, Cupac, like a lot of those those groups come out and support our show. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to maybe can we? Okay, so you said your husband is very white. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like super Mennonite. <laughs> so, um, do you go to queer events with with your partner mostly, your husband? Yeah. Um, so recently, I just co-produced the Queer and Present Danger show. Can, sorry, Queer and Present Danger. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that show was started by Shanti Morastica, who is a former Winnipeger but lives in Toronto now, and they are um, just a really amazing comedian. And they started the show called Queer and Present Danger. And it's a show for, you know, queer identifying folks. And um, it's it's a really popular show. And they brought it to Winnipeg quite a few times. And then we just started co-producing the shows together. So the last couple of ones, my husband came out to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, um, with the recent Pride and... Uh, lots of people have ma- been making, say, like statuses mm-hmm. and things like that. That this space is not for straight people. You can't come here. Yeah. So, is it? I'm sorry. I, I guess I'm assuming that your husband is straight. No, he's very straight. Okay. <laughs> when you say white Mennonite, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, okay. I'm sorry for assuming. Maybe we should <laughs> cut around. <laughs> we can cut around. This. Yeah. So. Uh, is there some events that you say to your husband, okay, this space is not for you. I'm going to go to this by myself. Or is he... Um, I feel like I don't even need to say that to him. Like, I feel like he's pretty good at, like, knowing where he... Like, knowing where he can go and knowing where it's, like, maybe not the most appropriate. Um, yeah, I like, I haven't had that that conversation with him because he's just um like he's Mennonite by culture but he 
is not religious. And um, I feel like the good, a good like five years of us being together, he's really navigated around, around sort of like who I am and what community I'm from, where he just like, he knows now. Mm -hmm. So there'll be events where, you know, like say if I want to go to like ladies night, then he's like, yeah, I'm going to stay home with the kids. <laughs> so have you ever performed at something that it was not appropriate for him to come to? Or? Um, I don't think so. I don't think, um, I don't think I've ever uh, done a show where, um, where it was sort of like an unwritten rule that he shouldn't come. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I haven't, uh, like, in terms of comedy, like, there haven't really been anything in Winnipeg. I, I know there have been events where it's like, you know, this is like, a, you know, like a no straight people event type of thing, but I haven't performed at any of those. Mm-hmm. So your event woke, everybody come. Yep. Great. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> do you have any more... Um, like any plans for expanding that? You, I think you have two shows a month. Is that how it is right now? Yeah, um, we we were at XQs and we are still at Goodwill. Um, unfortunately, we are no longer with XQs. Um, but for the summer, we're going to be sort of like hopping around from venue to venue. Um, we're testing out B Zone. Which is on Sergeant. It's like a weird, like... Bezum? Yeah. It's like a bring-your-own-venue type of thing. It's oh. just like a space, and they provide, oh, cool. like... That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so we're having our one-year anniversary party there, um, which is June 8th from 8 to 11 p.m. It's, it's pay what you can. <laughs> we'll try and get this out before that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And um, at the end of August, we will be working with We Johnny's. So we'll be doing the last Thursday of every month, starting in August, with We Johnny's comedy. Nice. Yeah. Um, for stand up comedia- stand up comedy nights, mm-hmm. what would you say is the hottest night? Like, what do you want to have your night on? Um, I don't know. Like in Winnipeg, people are pretty, you know, like gung ho. To have a good laugh any night of the week. Um, but yeah, like a Thursday, Friday nights are pretty hot. Hmm. Yeah. I I remember there was a point where it, almost every single day of the week, maybe it's still the case, every single day of the week there's something somewhere. Yeah. Stand up. Yeah. Um, and it's the hot spot right now is We Johnny's mm-hmm. because there's something going on every night of the week except for Sundays. Um. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. For for stand up, there's a stand up night. Yeah. The, it, well, I mean, it's it's a good mix of like stand up and um, improv. They have improv nights there too. So there's um, theater sports mm-hmm. that outside joke runs, um, and then um, different improv troops will sometimes like put on a show there. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, 
It's a hot spot. It is a hot spot. <laughs> it's a hot spot. And they've done a lot of work in that basement. So, like, the stage is, like, pretty dapper. <laughs> it's a good space. It's a nice, like, tight, cozy space. Yeah. Yeah. Is there an area of the city that brings out a better crowd? Probably that area. Like, the exchange is... Yeah. it. Um, I would say, like, the exchange and then, you know, like, Goodwill brings out a really good crowd because you have, like, all the university students and then you have, you know, people who just, like, live around there. Um, Those are probably, like, my favorite spots to do comedy in the city. So if somebody wanted to start doing stand-up, what is step one? Show up. (laughs) really you know if somebody wants to start doing stand-up comedy and they're like i've you know i have this piece i you know i however way they get to that piece um but just yeah show up and find the person who's hosting and they will put you down and you get time Mm mm-hmm so should you you should prepare material before you start? I would highly recommend preparing material um, or even preparing like a story um, because I know not every stand-up comedian is gonna just like you know have joke joke jokes. Preparing a story with like a few embellishments, you yeah. know that because <laughs> we all do it. <laughs> it's what makes a story great. Is is you know what the story originally started as compared to what it becomes. Um, a story, sometimes we've had people like just tell a couple of knock-knock jokes that they've made up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like when people do things like, you know, telling like a two-minute story or a couple of knock-knock jokes, they kind of like create this character for themselves that also becomes super hilarious. Um, so, you know, it's like this person like being super awkward and they'll tell a couple of knock knock jokes and then people totally dig it. And then, you know, you get that first sort of like surge of confidence and then it makes you want to come back and like, you know, keep writing and keep telling jokes. So are there any like industry specific words, for example, that if you're starting out in comedy that like you're going to hear these words like, uh... Do you understand what I mean? Like, yeah. like some sort of like slang or lingo in there. Yeah. Um, shitting the bed <laughs> is definitely, definitely. It's a well-known one. Yeah. 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 Especially when you first start out because you're going to have so many moments where somebody's going to tell you like you really shit the bed there. Um, or missing the light. And that's when um, you get a certain amount of time, like especially for open mics. You get a certain amount of time that you're allowed to have on stage. And um, normally you get like a one minute warning, like you have one minute left and somebody will give you the light. So whether it's like on your cell phone and uh, you, you know, flash somebody with your flashlight or some people have like actual flashlights, um, but you get a flash and you're supposed to acknowledge that flash. Like, yeah, I saw that. Um, but some people will don't have the best time management and will go way over um, their designated time. And even if you're really killing it, it's still kind of like it compromises the show because then 
you know, like if you're in the middle of a show and you have somebody who's done eight minutes, mm-hmm. it just, it kind of throws everything off. So eight minutes is a long time. Yes. How long is like a typical set? Typical five minutes. Five minutes. So if somebody misses the light, that means that they missed their cue that you need yeah. to get out of there. Yeah. And are there some like notoriously light missing comedians in Winnipeg? You don't have to name names, but <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it happens a lot. Yeah. And is it like a groan from the audience collective? Like, hey. Okay, um, I mean, it's sometimes yes. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> people are like, "Oh my god, get off the stage!" And they just like they don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then sometimes it'll be like. I want to see more. Like, I don't want this to be over. Um, but it's still, you know, regardless of whether, like, how good you are, you know, there's still a respect for the person who's producing the show. There's a respect that you need to have for, like, the other comedians. Um, <clears throat> and it's just being able to, like, manage your time better. Mm-hmm. So at the Woke Comedy Night, are you the person that gives them the light? Um, well, normally me and Dion, uh, we take turns hosting, but then we try and get like the other comedians to, to do the hosting just so that everyone has that experience under their belt. Um, which is, you know, another thing about woke is that we try to provide opportunities that you might not get at any other mic. Um, so, but when we have other comedians hosting, if they're not comfortable enough giving the light, then we'll sit there with them and mm-hmm. you know mm. give comedians the light. Yeah, it, that seems like a an interesting um, an interesting conundrum. Like we're giving you this space, but for this amount of time, so yeah. it must yeah. be hard for a host to just to do something yeah. like that. Yeah, but it has to be done. Yeah, five minutes is five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then if they're like you know starting to go over their time, then you start to inch closer and closer to the stage <laughs> and then once you're like right on the stairs then they're like oh shoot right oh <laughs> you get that big cane where you can yeah. like yank them yeah. off or something yeah I haven't had to I haven't had to do that yet but I've come close to just sort of like taking somebody's mic away from mm-hmm. from their hands hmm. so for um so for someone that's starting off in comedy is that like if it's their first show first time or do you go through all of those things with them like a little bit of like a preamble before it so what's some of the things that you would say to a first timer coming to the show um i would let them know uh you have five minutes i'm gonna give you the light at four minutes so that will that means that you have one minute left um and we usually go through the rules at the top of the show so like you know don't marginalize already marginalized folks is basically what we say. Um, and uh, just, you know, have fun, really, is what we want people to do. What does don't marginalize already marginalized folks mean? It means, um, so say if you go up, like say if I went up and I was, you know, like a, a cis, straight, um indigenous person and I went on stage and I made like super homophobic jokes like I am a marginalized person being indigenous but why am I marginalizing Mm -hmm. 
other folks. Um, so that's what I mean by like, don't marginalize the already marginalized. Mm. Mm. So it's like recognize the intersectionalities yeah. of the show. Yeah. yeah. Is there ever a, a learning curve where maybe somebody does it unintentionally, but you know you want yeah. you want to teach them, you know you want to help them yeah. make it more inclusive. Yeah, like, we've had a few people who've gone up and, you know, like, one person, um, you know, like, especially when you have, like, friends who go, and then one person will make fat jokes about their friend, and, like, within their circle of friends, they think it's okay, but then on stage, it's like, well, but you might be marginalizing people in your audience who don't know you. Um, so we've had, like, those conversations. We haven't had anything, like, um, we did have one situation where somebody misgendered, um, a non-binary couple, and it got really awkward, and, um, rather than apologize, they kind of, like, the comedian blamed the non-binary couple for being difficult mm. I was just mm-hmm. like mm, that's on you buddy yeah. <laughs> yeah you need to own that yeah so speaking of let's just go a little bit with that is uh, owning something if you do something that I've fuck I've made up shit mm-hmm. fuck. oh <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> um, if you've misgendered someone if you said something offensive how yeah. would what would be the first or the way to say I'm sorry just saying I'm sorry or like what are the ways to um do that the ways that you can do that are you know like say if you have a heavy presence on social media to apologize there um if you've had people come up to you and say like look I'm non-binary and you totally made fun of my people that's not cool then to apologize in that moment um but for me, I'm not a huge person. Um, like, I'm not huge on saying I'm sorry. Um, and it's a way that I've raised my kids where I'm like, I don't want to hear those words. Like, I don't want to hear I'm sorry. I just want the behavior to change. So I feel the same way about comedians where um, you can make a public apology. That's, you know, fine and dandy. But what I really want to see is I want to see you change your behavior. I want to see you change your material so that people feel safe around you. Um, otherwise, like I, you know, I, the comedian who did that, he, he hasn't had any more instances of that. Um, so he, you know, like he changed sort of like his behavior and does like less crowd work. And um, that's really all, like all I would ask for is, you know, like just change your behavior, change your tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty good, pretty good way to navigate that. Because there's a lot of things that are happening all over the place. People are getting called out for those types of behaviors. And then the next step is where people are getting stuck. Because there's a lot like, you've been called out for this behavior, now what? And some people don't know what the now what is. And it's not really a mainstream solution yet as to how to fix that now what. Yeah. So just apologize Publicly, if you have the platform, and then change the behavior. Yeah, and that'll that's pretty standard. I, yeah, you know, <laughs> you'd think. 
<clears throat> like people might not trust you right away and you'll you'll have to sort of like gain that trust back um but honestly like that is the best way to do it and i feel like people get stuck because they're like oh but i'm not at fault or um you know like i shouldn't have to change who i am you know just to cater to these people and it's like well then you lose like a good chunk of your fan base mm -hmm. um and you sort of have this label of being like an unsafe comedian right um so really you know for the sake of your audience and for the sake of your career it, it is better to just change the behavior and that's transcends into so many types of performances or performers mm -hmm. artists yeah. that yeah yeah very interesting what is happening and how people are trying to uh reconcile for their behaviors yeah um i want to touch a little bit on the winnipeg comedy scene sure <laughs> <laughs> as as a whole um because coming up in summer there are quite a few there's odd block and a few other bigger comedy mm -hmm. festivals what would you what would you recommend change for it to become a more inclusive place to foster things like woke comedy um i would say making more of an effort to have people of color on their stages um now that they now that they're they're more visible like we're we're out there we're we're working we're you know putting on shows um now the next step would be to actually like utilize um these comedians and um you know and i'm not saying that just because like oh you should have like you know these people because they fit a certain demographic that you're not hitting um, but also because you need that different perspective, you need that different story. Um, and you're not doing it. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what I would say is just, you know, like grab from a bigger pool because now the pool is bigger of comedians and, um, you know, we don't need to see another show where it's just like you and your bros, mm -hmm. mm. you know, sort of like doing the same old, same old. So who are the up and coming comedians from your comedy night? Oh, God, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many. Um, or maybe even some like n like newer ones that just came out of nowhere. Just like. Yeah. Blazing. <laughs> um, I would say Mayran Kala. She is. Um, she came here from Somalia um, and she she just has this like spitfire you know unapologetic um, you know fuck you type of style of comedy and it comes from just like such a raw place and it's such a honest place um so i would say definitely keep an eye out for her um sasha mark he is um a queer indigenous comedian he also just started an open mic at club 200 called queer comedy oh cool um and he started that with Cameron kinnerath who is um a queer muslim comedian um so they both they both 
they're so good and they're and they're they're they both have like two different styles and um they're both like you know really like cutting edge um but like so hip with the times <laughs> I like I learned so much from them I'm like oh that's what the kids are saying these days <laughs> um Ugona Chigbo he is um he's another comedian who um it, he's so like it's so different his style of comedy um it, yeah uh, I I don't even know <laughs> you just know have how, to see it you, you just really, gotta go <laughs> yeah you really have to you really have to see it uh TNA Diop Rowan Ebb um there's just there's so many comedians that have come out of this and um Don Lavond um she ended up being on the laughing drum with us for a couple episodes and um you know I feel like there because when I used to talk about this I took a 10-year hiatus and then I came back two years ago and when I came back I was like you guys why (laughs) why are we still here like how come we haven't progressed how come we haven't you know moved forward why is it still not um why is there such a lack of diversity in this scene and people were like no no there's not that we we have a couple of you know and i'm just like no no, like having three indigenous comedians does not quantify diversity. That's not what diversity is about. Um, so I did get a lot of pushback for, you know, like being so vocal about it. And then I was like, fine, I'm going to, you know, do it myself. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> and then I did. And there's this whole other slew of comedians that just needed that that platform to be able to to come out and feel comfortable um so yeah now there now there is the diversity so it's like <clears throat> for for the lo- local producers like comedy producers there is a bigger pool to pull from but it's up to them to you know actually do it mm-hmm. so do you have people in your life that are funny and now you've made a platform to them for them to try stand up that they wouldn't have others otherwise or is it people yeah. that you don't really know that are coming yeah. to these nights? And I feel like there's quite a few people that I do know now because of woke comedy mm-hmm. um who who have come out and support the first couple of shows and then said like actually I want to try it and then have tried it and just been super amazing. Mm-hmm. The I did attend my first one that I attended was by accident. I walked into XQ's because I came to pick up my check, and <laughs> then this guy said, "Oh, you and your white boyfriend, you guys can." There's a table in the front, front and center, and we went and sat down, and it was just like, "Oh my gosh, we are learning a lot right now." And oh, a couple of times, amazing. it felt. Like, everybody around me is laughing, and I'm like, am I allowed to laugh at this? Because this sounds sounds kind of like, to me, it seems racist, but to them, they're talking about their own experience. So, like, am I, is this okay for me to be here? And then, turns out that the person that told us to sit front and row goes on stage and says, oh, yeah, I did that on purpose because I needed somebody to talk about when I was on stage. (laughs) Like, oh, shit. 
It's like, were you listening? Were you listening? Yeah. Like, yeah, I was front, 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 and yeah. listening a lot. <laughs> but that's why I was asking, like, is that a place that, uh, like, all people are welcome to? Because it seemed like it was, it did make me uncomfortable at certain points. Yeah. And it was good, but also at the same time, I was just like, okay, yeah, I laughed a few times, but also I got to, like, go home and think about a lot of things, yeah. you know? Because it, it's, there's pushing a lot of buttons with one another. Yeah. And when everybody around you is laughing about something that you're like, shit, am I guilty of this? Did I do this? Or did yeah. I say this? Or did I yeah. exhibit this behavior that I'm not even aware of? Yeah. Because when someone says, all white people do this, and I'm white in front of the row, I need to just acknowledge yeah. that everybody else thinks this is funny and I'm like actually contemplating like shit am I one of those all white people which yeah. I guess probably yeah no it's um we've definitely had that like had that happen where you know like we've had like some white folks be like it was a really good show it made me think it made me uncomfortable but it's like you know, that, that very small moment of time, because the shows are, you know, like an hour, two hours, for that very small moment of time, it's it's what it's like for people of color or Indigenous folks for the majority of their time, mm-hmm. you know, out in a very, like, white-dominated society, um, sort of, like, always having to cater to that norm. And um, I think... I think once, because we've had a few white folks who have just like been been there since the beginning, you know, sat in a few uncomfortable shows, but then started realizing like, oh, like I'm laughing at myself. I'm allowed to, you know, laugh at myself. Like I'm guilty of this. I'm I'm laughing at myself, but also I've had people say like, you know what, I actually stopped doing this certain thing because I realized, like, how bloody racist it is. Mm -hmm. Like, I I realized, like, how marginalizing it is for me to do this specific thing. So thank you. Because now I know that it's shitty and it sucks. Um, And I've definitely had those moments. I, um, I went to see a performance piece um, by somebody from the deaf community and um, she did it all using sign language. Um, and my sign language sucks. Like, I have very basic skills. And so she did her entire piece um, using sign language. Um, but at the beginning, the interpreter was um, saying what she was signing. And then she, like, sort of, like, shooed the interpreter away and then did the rest of her set in sign and then um and then called the interpreter back and did like the last like sentence and had her interpret and said like this is this that must have been really awkward this is how i feel all the time so you know thank you for sitting with me and it it like and it really made me think like you know like i as an indigenous queer person who you know with a slew of illnesses I've definitely had those moments where I'm just like, oh, great, you know, like I have to cater to this type of society and I have to sit here in discomfort for for them. But then there's there's those moments where I'm like, oh, but 
me as somebody who can hear and who can speak, I really take that, you know, for granted, especially if, you know, there's somebody who has to always experience that, who always has to, you know, like find a, a pen and paper or use their their phone or walk around with an interpreter. So it there there's definitely moments for even, you know, other marginalized folks where we go, ah, yes, mm -hmm. yes, thank you. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, and it always keeps you in check and it keeps you in perspective. And um, it... Um, and I feel like that's what woke is for for non, you know, for melanin deficient people, for <laughs> right. for you know, like to to sit there in that discomfort and be like, oh right, yes, that's something I don't have to worry about. That's something that I don't ever think about. But now I'm going to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's been a few people who who have said like you know i've always acknowledged the security guards at shoppers and that's as far as i've gone i didn't realize that they actually do things and the last time i went shopping there i watched them follow like an indigenous couple around the store and i never noticed that before like we've had people who who know that things exist but don't realize that it exists like within their own world Mm -hmm. or that they might be doing these certain things. Um, especially when you have somebody where English is their second language and then they talk louder and they use like really exaggerated hand gestures and just like how absurd that is for somebody who's like, you know, the loudness and <laughs> your hand gestures aren't aren't helping any, you know, like is there any other way that we can communicate? Um so yeah, it is, I feel like it is a lot of learning, mm -hmm. um, but... Sort of a fun way to learn. Yeah. Yeah. In some situations. Yeah. 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 Try to like break it up with some laughter, but still acknowledging like <clears throat> I have some shit to work on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's really amazing. Yeah, it, it is. Like woke is... Oh, like an absolutely wonderful thing, and like oh, thank you. I'm sure everybody thanks you all the time for starting something <laughs> like that. But for, for absolutely, I think that everybody should go, and I'm happy that talking to you about it, it is a place for everyone. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, if people want to go, let's say next week, yeah. where would they be able to find you? Um, next week we are at the Goodwill, so we're at the Goodwill Social Club, the first Tuesday of every month. Um, so we're there this Tuesday from 8 to 10 p.m. It's free. Um, and then we will be at B-Zone on Friday mm -hmm. uh, from 8 to 11. Cool. So I just want to ask a little bit quickly about um, the people's experience with, if you need to want to find information out about the community or something, how, how what's a good way to do it or what are some experiences that you had where people have done this maybe not in a right time or place um i feel like at a show is probably the best you know time to come up to me and you know like talk to me or ask me you know like things about woke or you know certain aspects of woke those are 
that's totally appropriate. That's, you know, that's what I'm there for as a producer in the city. That's my job. Um, but a, a time and place when it's not appropriate is, um, you know, like I've been out for dinner with my kids and I've had somebody approach me and be like, hey, you're Alyssa Kixon from Woke, right? And I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, and then they've, you know, been like, I, I have a few questions about, you know, like your show and, you know, like my feelings and I'm just like, I want to just chill with my kids and eat this food without, <laughs> like without having to, you know, for myself, not having to constantly think about like, oh, right, this is what it is that sets me apart from everybody else. But also like for my kids who are trying to eat dinner and enjoy for them to not constantly be thinking like, oh, right, my mom is a comedian and she's this type of comedian and oh, right, we're indigenous and we have to, you know, always like be on guard, you know, and be ready for, for that, um, those types of conversations. So I think, yeah, if I'm ever out with my kids, that's probably not the best time. <laughs> to approach me about your sort of curiosities about racism or, you know, like, oh, hey, I've, I, uh, I want to try stand up and I, I have this joke, but I, I'm not sure if it's no like, way that yeah, happens. Yeah. Aww. Oh, it happens all the time. Oh, I have this joke, but I think like it might be racist. Uh, here, I'll tell it to you. And I'm just like, <laughs> right I <here>. feel like <laughs> if you have a joke and if you're, um, white, and you feel like there might be a hint of racism, just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, like if it's not from your like direct experience and if you're going to make anyone feel shitty about it, just don't do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and don't tell me your shitty racist jokes. Those are the, those are the worst. Especially not at dinner. Especially not at dinner, <laughs> you know, like that's, yeah. that's a self-discovery that you have to go through on your own. Right. Um, but if you want to come out to a woke show and then afterwards be like, Hey, you, you talked about this on stage. I, you know, I want to ask you about that. That's totally cool. Mm -hmm. you know, that's so it's a time, time and place. Oh, there's totally a yeah. time and place. Or like sliding into my DMs at like <laughs> three in the morning being like, uh, how come you don't let white people on your stage? I'm just like, uh, block. Yeah. yeah. You are blocked. Don't even acknowledge there. Yeah. 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 Wow. So would you encourage people to reach out on through the Facebook group if they want to get in, you know, <clears throat> is that the best avenue if they want to find out more? Yeah. Um, if you want to find me on Facebook, it's Alyssa... Like, it's spelled like Melissa, but no M. Mm -hmm. It's the only way I can explain how to spell my name. <laughs> without um, actually spelling yeah, it. Yeah, without actually spelling it. That's good for Starbucks explanations, yeah, you yeah, know? Like, you can probably get it right. Definitely what Melissa I say. without the M. They'll write the whole thing out. <laughs> 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 totally. <laughs> um, but it's Alyssa Blackwolf Kixon. And um, we also have a Woke Comedy Hour page. I accidentally started two... Nice. But there's one that has like actual events and, you know, like profiles of different comedians. So the one that's full, that's Woke Comedy Hour. The other one, I started by accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so if I wanted to 
hire a comedian from your show, Mm -hmm. um, would it be suitable to message woke and say, can I be in contact with this person? Yeah. 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 Cool. Fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. This was fantastic. Okay. Thank Thank you for cutting deep with us. Oh, shoot. Again. Thank you for cutting deep with us on Paper Cut Podcast. Thank you. Just a reminder, you can find all of our podcasts online at papercutwinnipeg.com. You can also find us on Google Play and iTunes. Contact us if you would like to sponsor our show. Here's a cut from our interview next week with Mark. The only people who are going to listen to you are the people who want to listen. The people who come up to you and say you're wrong for doing something, they don't want to listen to you. So there's no point in trying to convince them or tell them the actual, like, like, the whole beginnings of tarot and, like, why tarot is and everything like that. Like, I know...